Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of the Blatant Homerism podcast. And we are recording this on Thursday, October 4th, 2018. Uh, the Red River shootout between Oklahoma and Texas is taking place this weekend. So, uh, as usual, we've got Bomani Jones of ESPN coming on to uh, talk a little bit about the game. So, let's go ahead and get to it. Our guest today is co-host of a TV show on ESPN uh, called High Noon with his uh, compadre Pablo Torre. He also has his own podcast, uh, The Right Time through ESPN. Uh, you know him, though, as uh, our resident Texas expert who comes on every year to chop it up with us about uh, the Red River Shootout. He's Bo Monty Jones. Bo, what's going on, man? Hey, man, I'm doing all right. How about you? Oh, no complaints here. So, you know, it's uh, it's funny. You know, you're actually on my TV right now as we're recording this <laughs> and here. So uh, the magic of television, I guess, man. That pocket square is uh, is pretty dope, man. I appreciate it. I actually took great care this morning to get that figured out. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So before we start talking about the game, man, tell us a little bit about the show. I mean, how you know, obviously you guys started up this summer, uh, moved back into the afternoon. Now, is that is that a good thing or a bad thing? It is a good thing. Um, it is good generally like for things that don't affect me but affect my bosses. Like 4 o'clock is a bigger audience. You know, there are more people who are there. We're helping to lead into the afternoon block, so that helps. And for things that are personal, hey, man, it is a lot easier doing a 30-minute show than doing a one-hour show. Like, there were parts of the one-hour show that we really, really enjoyed, but it, is, it can be taxing in a way that I appreciate now that I don't have to do it. Oh, yeah, coming up for material for it to fill 60 minutes instead of 30. I mean, yeah, I can only imagine that. Uh, so uh, let's see here. And then, oh, the podcast, too. I also wanted to tell you, man, I really enjoyed the series you did this summer with uh, Friday Night Lights. Uh, that is, oh, you. you know, yeah, no, that was, that was so, that was cool. I mean, if, if you guys haven't been listening, you know, it was what a once a, once a month, you had a guest on to talk about it and go back over it. And that book is, you know, so much about it, I think in, I guess, kind of the contemporary zeitgeist, you know, has been changed by the TV show, the, uh, movie, but I mean, it, the book is so different and, and such not, uh, not even though this really, uh, you know, expose on high school sports, I think the way that people look at, but more just a, a, you know, kind of a socioeconomic kind of, you know, artifact or time capsule at time. Yeah. Like I learned so much about what it is that make people really get into sports from that book and like how identity plays into thing. And then race, of course, is a dominant theme um, that comes up there, but like why these games are so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, it was, a, it was a great series. So, Anyway, but uh, we got a big game coming up this weekend. Uh, you know, we've been chopping it up for a while now, obviously, about uh, OU, the OU-Texas game. And this is one of the more interesting ones to me because uh, it feels like there's a uh, kind of uh, – this is, to me, is really a referendum on Tom Herman at this point, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that because I – I feel like this now looks like a good team. I certainly didn't feel like that when they were when they were losing to Maryland, right, yeah. and struggling to get by to beat Tulsa. Like there was no real cause for optimism at that point. Um, they win the USC game, and I mean, I don't think any of us think that USC is very good necessarily. And USC looks so bad. I feel the same way though about the win over TCU, where I think the TCU is a better team, but they played their Super Bowl the week before playing against Ohio State, which I imagine was physically taxing and everything else. So you don't knock anybody for winning games. And I think Texas has a good defense. I'm not really feeling this offense, and I feel like we got sold a limit. I thought we hired an offensive genius. I ain't seen no <laughs> genius or no offense. 
Yeah, well, that and that is the one thing that, I mean, the other thing about it is there's so many great quarterbacks in Texas, so many, you know, great, uh, you know, offensive players who are built for the, you know, for a system that, you know, is similar to what Herman's doing here. But it just, it's it's not really translating, you know? Yeah, and, you know, there's the weird thing where he, you know, I don't want head coaches to call plays. But he has said that he will not call plays because he can't do it from the field, which disturbed me. I did not really feel like that was that. That did not leave me encouraged um, yeah. about the coach that we have. But I mean, look, I'm, if, if the defense is going to have to carry it to win games, I'm okay with that. And as of now, like if there's anything that I can say that Herman did, he brought Todd Orlando with him, and they figured out how to make this thing work over there on defense. Like the strong era was kind of hit or miss in terms of defense, but now, I mean, if you look at it now, it's three straight games holding teams under 20 points, two in the Big 12, and I know that Kansas State is not the strongest in the world, but ain't a whole lot of people going two games in a row in the Big 12 these days holding people below 20 points. Oh, yeah, yeah, just ask Mike Stoops, but if, uh, yeah, if Todd Orlando uh, is ready to uh, head on to a head coaching job or something at the end of the year, I'd be be all in favor of that, uh, (laughs) because I'm I'm impressed, man, I I, I honestly am, and uh, he's doing a lot of stuff that is very kind of, you know, built to stop the spread and still, you know, play physically, which is something that, you know, I don't think any real Big 12 team has really, you know, kind of figured out yet. No, and that is always the difficulty that comes with this, is that, like, I reflexively cringe at the notion of like these base three three five types of defense, yeah. right? Like it just it just I don't like the sound of it. I don't like the look of it. But I mean, you don't really have many other options in the Big Twelve. You're going to have to run something like that. Part of why I thought Strong was a good hire for Texas was he was kind of a a, a pioneer in like a base nickel sort of defense. Yeah. You know, like okay, you know, you might be able to make it work. But you're right. The big thing is this is a physical defense, and they seem to tackle. Strong teams did not tackle well. These seem to tackle. Looking at the other side of the field, you know, we were talking about this game earlier this week, and you mentioned we didn't get to follow up on, but you made, you, you described Mike Stoops as the Greg Davis of uh, Oklahoma football. Like, what did you mean by that? I mean, what? It's like whatever goes wrong, we can always blame it on Greg. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and there were things that Greg did that were good. Like, it's not, like, I, especially the Colt McCoy era, Greg Davis, I thought, did a very, very good job, like, running through that. Well, but, he also won a man, national championship, I mean, as, a, as an office yes, coordinator. Yes, you know. Now, granted, he had a little bit of help from Well, <laughs> yeah, bit, yeah. Right, right? But, but to be fair, they, they scrapped that offense in the middle of 2003 and went to something completely different when Vince took over and they figured out how to make it go. Like, I can't take credit away from them there. The big, like the, all the biggest seasons of Texas offense pretty much came under the era of Greg Davis. But man, it, it don't take much for you to fall off the wagon with him. And I feel like that's where you guys are with Mike Stoops, where you're looking around, like, what's it going to take for y'all to let him go? What's it going to take? Of course, he's not even the coach's brother anymore. You're like, why is he even still here? But I mean, Oklahoma's defense this year has not been bad. Like, I can't laugh at Mike as I've laughed at Mike in previous years. Yeah, yeah, you know, and like people, people try to paint me as some kind of uh, apologist for him, and I've never really been that way. I mean, I, I just look at it more as, I mean, playing defense in the Big Twelve is just hard. But like, I think that to some degree, it feels like Mike has let that get into his psyche so far that. It's like that's his that's his answer for everything when people are like, Oh, well, so what happened? And he's like, Well, these teams, you know, I mean, they could just throw it around. I mean, they're they play real fast and like it, it's it's gone from, you know, a a reason to an excuse, you know. Yeah, and that is 
every defensive coordinator in the Big 12 is going to say that, right? Like, I remember when Muschamp was at Texas, where Max say he'd have to explain to Will, sometimes you're going to give up 20 points, right? Yeah. Like, there's, yeah, there's some just... measure of understanding that because of the schemes the teams are going to run, there's only for so much that you're going to keep them out of the end zone. Like, I felt like, though, with Stoops, like, like last year, looking at that Georgia game, for mm. example, that, that team's not in the Big 12, buddy. Yeah. Like, you can't, you, can't, you can't put that on this. Now, I think the other thing that comes up is I don't know how exactly you recruit talent on defense in the Big 12 at this point. Especially, like, you know, like that's a position that the state of Texas, for example, doesn't really produce a lot of great players at. I don't know how you pull this off. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, especially when you start thinking about the stuff, I mean, you know, you're not really able to just send guys, you know, uh, after the quarterback in this league anymore. And, and, you know, I mean, so much of what they're doing is based on read and react and whatnot. And it's just it's hard to recruit to that scheme. So um, but looking at this game, I mean, just based on what you've seen out of Oklahoma, I mean, what what would worry you the most as a Texas fan? Number one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is all about number one. I, I had not bought in on Kyler Murray because I didn't. I saw an incredible athlete when he was at Texas A&M, but I didn't see a dude who could throw the ball right. And I figured that with the way that he had been hyped up until that point, I would see more. Not that he couldn't throw the ball, like he could throw a pretty. Like he could do that. I look at him now when I see the highest trophy one. Like, like it w- I'm not sure unless Oklahoma, I feel like maybe Oklahoma drops like two games or something like this. Tua is kind of messing up the game, playing the way he is in Alabama yeah, on this. Yeah, but yeah. Kyler Murray, like when you look at him, that looks like a Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, and th- I mean that was my big thing too. Is uh, I mean I had seen him throw it well, but I mean you know that's against UTEP or what have you. And uh, I mean OU hasn't played necessarily great defenses so far, but I mean he's lived up to uh, he's lived up to billing. And the thing though that I do worry about in this game is that you know we mentioned Texas is so physical. If you expose him to too many hits, I mean he's still not a big guy. Right, like there is that. Like you can't you can't just use him in the run game in the way that you could use some of these other quarterbacks that we've seen. He's just he's just not big enough for that. And Rodney Anderson being hurt, obviously, big deal. Like, that helps things yeah. protect us a lot. But, I mean, what is the dude's name? Brooks that just went out there for, like, two carries for 159 yards or whatever <laughs> yeah. it was against Baylor? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I mean, that's kind of been no use thing is they just uh, kind of plow through him but, uh, at running back. But I'll tell you what, uh, you know, the Ingram kid at Texas, he's really good. Like, I wonder if they don't try to get him, you know, 15 or 20 carries this week. I would hope, right? It would make too much sense to actually do it. Um, one interesting thing, though, about this Texas team is they brought in a hell of a recruiting class this year. Like, Stearns is the one that you see the most from on defense. But we don't really talk about this team in the context that we usually use for a team that had a top-five recruiting class, right? Like, normally when you talk about that, you're thinking about the infusion of that talent. I don't feel like I expect I, I don't feel it so much when I watch that team. Outside, Ingram and Stearns are like the two guys that I think that you're like, oh, okay, these are the guys that you were talking about bringing in. Um, it doesn't feel that way otherwise with the roster, which is a little bit strange, especially considering I think they're playing over what was a reasonable expectation. Yeah, no, that's a great point. You know, I mean, you would think that, uh, especially at receiver or what have you, but, I mean, they've got – They've got, in my opinion, three really good upperclassmen when you look at Colin Johnson and uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey and Devin DuVernay. Yeah, and John Burke, by the way, just still hanging around there. Like, yeah, I, he's yeah. just, just there on the team. I, I, 
maybe I just expected a little more out of John Burke when he got there. But, like, I feel like when I've watched John Burke play in past years, he looked pretty good. John Burke just wears a jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, I mean, I guess, like, you know, Texas is an eight-point uh, underdog here. How How is it that Texas is going to win this game? You know, what what do they need to do to, uh, to beat OU? I mean, I figure it's going to have to come down to forcing turnovers if they're going to do it. I just don't think Texas has nearly enough offensive firepower. OU is going to put points up. Like, there's not much that you can do to get around the fact that they are going to put points up. So what they're going to have to do is figure out a way to turn them over. If they can turn them over, then they have a chance. I don't – Ellinger is not bad, and that is all I feel confident saying about mm-hmm. him as of right now is that he is not bad. Um, and he is a you know big, powerful guy, so you can find some ways to use him in the run game like that. But even then, it's just like straight line speed. He's not going to make anybody miss. So, like, I don't expect Texas to come out here and score 40 points, no matter how much Mike gets out here and messes it up. I just don't <laughs> think that happening. So they're going to have to, they're going to, have to turn, get turnovers. That's the only way I really see it happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the one thing about Ellinger, though, man, is like, and I, I hate to play armchair psychologist, but, man, he just looks really, like, confident. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I can't say that about all the quarterbacks that uh, Texas has rolled out there in this game in the past few years. But, I mean, you know, I, I, for whatever knocks there are on his skill set, and I think that there are, there are quite a few, I mean, he still does enough, it feels like, to make enough plays for them to, uh, to win a game like this. Yeah, it can be. Like I say, if he gets some help from the other people, I think there's a chance. And I think you mentioned something. You were talking about the receivers. That's important. Like, Johnson and Humphrey, it's not just that they're good. They're big and yeah. good, right? Yeah. Like, they're, they're, you can trust them to win the catch yeah. if the ball gets there. Like, that, that part, I think, will be interesting to see is, like, how that goes up against that OU secondary. All right. So, you know, in the past few years, we've seen the occasional uh, blowout in the series, obviously. If uh, if something happens in the first quarter, something that you see, what would it be that you might think, oh, okay, maybe maybe this uh, is gonna this day is gonna end a lot sooner than we thought? Ooh, man! Well, that's where the turnovers come up on Texas yeah, side. Yeah. Like, like the one thing I will say in the last nearly twenty years of this game is, it it doesn't take. Very, very quickly when that happens. The games that how many can we count of these that have been over in the first quarter, right? Even games that weren't necessarily like big ones, like the O one game. Where I think OU won fourteen to three. That game was over in the first quarter, man. Like you could cross your fingers and hold on and hope they were going to get it. That game was over in the first quarter. So like if it winds up being something where it's like seventeen to nothing, then it's like oh boy, I don't think they're going to turn this thing around. Yeah, yeah, fast starts have definitely been a uh, big deal here. So anyway, well, uh, well, thanks, thanks so much for coming on, Bo. Really appreciate it, man. Uh, I gotta ask you, by the way, now highly questionable's on. Do you ever miss working with uh, Levitard's dad? Oh yeah, man. Like I went down there a few months ago, and I just stopped in for a second. Or no, actually, I did it for a week. This this trip, I did it for a week, and I realized this is when I wasn't doing any other show. I really did with nothing, and that was like a legitimate void. Yeah. Yeah, I liked it when he uh, kept playing that video. The guy spinning the uh, bicycle wheel in his ass. I think he was the cyclist yes. of the year. Yeah, whatever. That, that made yes. me, I was laugh for like fifteen minutes straight watching that. And I don't think he's ever gotten tired of that. <laughs> I don't think I have either. It's hilarious, man. 
Awesome, awesome. Well, again, man, thanks so much for uh, coming on to talk. And, uh, you know, we've done this uh, quite a few years in a row now. Hopefully I'll be able to uh, have you back on next year. Hey, man, sounds good. We'll keep it rolling. All right. And, hey, congrats again on the show. Honestly, I, I can't begin to even tell you. I haven't been, I wasn't really – I was working from home this summer, so – uh, when the show started, man, it was a godsend having it there at the in the middle of the day and everything. And uh, the stuff that you and, and Pablo are doing are great. It's such such you know I'm I'm so happy for you guys. So congrats hey, on the show. I, I greatly appreciate it, man. And you have a good one. Yeah, you too, Bo. All right. All right, now. All right. Thanks again to our guest, Bomani Jones of ESPN, and thanks to you all for joining us too. For the Blaine Homers and podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy. <laughs>